Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an online business strategist, coach, mentor, and speaker. She helps soulful entrepreneurs and freelancers find their authentic voice online and make money while doing it. Welcome, Afton, from thefreebirds.co. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. And can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background in history? Where do I even begin? (laughs) (laughs) My story is a long one, but I'll try to keep it short. So I started my journey basically as we most do in our nine to five jobs. And when the 2008 recession hit, I was working in interior design And really, there wasn't that much work in interior design. And so I just got married and my husband had a contract in Italy. So I decided, well, there's not much happening around here, you know, at home in Canada. So I took off and I lived the dream, very eat, pray, love of me and moved to Italy. We stayed there for a couple of years and we did some traveling and stuff and we started our family. And little did we know how expensive (laughs) Italy would be to raise a family. So then I took to the Internet and I never looked back. And so my career, what I always say is what started as hardship turned into my passion. I started freelancing as a strategist. I actually started as a virtual assistant at $8 an hour. And then I was able to scale that all the way up to where I am today as a digital strategist, as well as having my mentorship, the Freebirds, which I'm very, very proud of. What would your definition of digital strategist be? When I people ask me that wherever I am, I put it to them plainly. Basically, I help you to make money online. And taking it even further, I do work with a lot of people who are very intentional and soulful. So I help you to do it in an intentional and soulful way because selling can sometimes feel a little bit icky and gross. So I basically work with businesses and entrepreneurs who want to build their presence online from end to end. So their websites, advertising, lead generation, like all the bells and whistles in the most a simplest form so that it doesn't overwhelm them and they can get back to doing what they do best. Do you help them come up with a business idea or is it more like they have the idea and then you just kind of help implement it? Quite often, they'll come to me with a pre-existing idea that they have. It could be something that they've been doing their whole career, but somehow they need to translate that into an online presence. And that we're seeing that especially right now with everything that's happening with COVID. People are like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm taking that. An example would be, say, a coach or a service professional who now wants to do it online remotely, either one-to-one or in a coaching environment. And a lot of what I do is actually build online programming for a lot of companies. So we're looking at, you know, how are they going to resonate? How are they going to build community and culture around their business? businesses and how to sustain it and grow it for years to come. And it's, it's a big process, but it's a fun process at the same time to see your business grow in such a tangible form online, which I love. 
Yeah, I love the online space as well. I've tried a few different things like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, etc. You had mentioned that you were a virtual assistant and then a freelancer. And I'm sure there's some people who think those are interchangeable. So what is the difference between those? Virtual assistance is freelancing. So I had this very transitional career. So when I first got started, and this is quite often the case when people are getting started online and they don't know what to do, they'll immediately go to virtual assistance because a lot of what we do in our jobs can be translated into virtual assistance, like project management, administration of some kind, like the very basics. And if you're wondering if you should get started online, then yeah, definitely virtual assistance is a great way. But I quickly realized that that position doesn't pay very well. That's not to say that all virtual assistants aren't paid well. I know that I wasn't particularly paid well because I was just getting started. So I quickly moved into social media management and I did some project management as well. And then I worked my way up and I had some really, really great mentors along the way, some very, very big names in the industry. I got to work on some of the biggest campaigns that are out there. And through that, I learned, okay, what works? What do people want and what do people need and what pays? And this is where it turned around for me because I realized that I wasn't finding uh, a client for my service. I was finding a service for my client. And when you find a service to your client, it suddenly changes the game. You make so much more money and you suddenly love what you do because you're doing your best work. And so virtual assistance for me was task ticking. It was literally going down the list and task ticking. I wasn't really seeing any results. And now being a digital strategist, I really help people at the very, very core of what they do. But it took me 10 years <laughs> to go through that transition. It's not something that happened overnight. I learned everything from the ground up, which I always recommend for my mentees to learn as much as you possibly can. Oftentimes you don't, you learn by understanding what you don't like, you understand what you should be doing, which I'm a big advocate for. So how do you find clients? Like in your case, how were you able to find clients and get all this work? It's definitely a challenge for a lot of freelancers when they're getting up and running because the biggest reason is because you're so used to the cushion of your nine to five that most people, if you're in a nine to five, where all the work is coming to you and you're just doing the work. And so the first thing that I do when I work with my mentees is we break that mindset. You really need to think about putting yourself out there because now everything that you had in your nine to five is suddenly on your shoulders. And that includes client prospecting and growth. And the very simplest way that you can find clients is have deep conversations with people and not because you're looking to score them. You know, you're not looking to land them as a, a client. You're looking to just deeply understand, again, what they need to be able to help them. And once you start having those conversations, suddenly people will just keep coming and coming and the referrals will keep flooding in. And what I also like to do is not only have conversations with potential clients and businesses, is have conversations with other freelancers and contractors because they're usually, they have the download of what are the best projects, who's paying, what do those clients need, when, when do they need it? And if you could build this amazing network, you never have to worry about not having clients. So in my 10 years, it's very been very, very rare that I've had to actually go out and do social media. And I actually, I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people say to me, you know, that it's kind of a relief for them is when I tell them, you know, you don't have to do social media to be a freelancer. And they're like, oh my gosh, Afton, thank you for taking that off my, my plate <laughs> because it's not the way to go. The people who are using social media to find clients 
or people who are using social media to find contractors are usually the DIYers. They're not usually the high paying clients. I don't want people who are searching for answers. I want somebody who's going to pay me to find the answers for them, right? So have if you're thinking about freelancing, have deep conversations with people, connect with other freelancers, just keep having conversations. I will say this, Sarah, somebody emailed me today. They met me four years ago, four years ago, and now she's wanting to work with me. So sometimes it's the long game. I'm oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So like you met her four years ago and then didn't have any communication between now and then or you? Yeah, she actually saw me speak at a conference. I'd never met her before. And she just remembered me. She needed digital marketing. And she's like, I remembered you. And yeah, now I'm ready. <laughs> oh, so, wow. So sometimes you got to let them get ready because <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> and then with the free birds, that's a that's a cute name. That's I guess a play on freelance and then a bird flying. Yeah, freedom, you know, because yeah. that's what it's all about because at our core, freelancers are not here to do the work. We're doing the work to have a life, right? And I, I learned that last year when I had just like this devastating heartbreak in my life and I just didn't know what else to do. And I I turned and I looked at my laptop and got, I said, Afton, you can go anywhere and do anything you want, anytime you want and still make money. So I literally, like, I grabbed my phone and I booked a flight to Thailand and I went to Thailand for three weeks and I just experienced this amazing freedom. And I just realized that I hadn't broken my own mindset around the nine to five to allow me to do that. And that's why Freebirds, I was like, when I was in Thailand, I was like, I'm going to call it Freebirds because that's exactly what it is. We're just, we're all women. (laughs) We're a bunch of birdies and we're free. And I always say that I'm helping women who are in pursuit of that freedom because we're constantly looking for that freedom and looking for more freedom. So you just started that a year ago? So I did a beta mentorship a few years ago and it was a, a year long mentorship with 12 different women from around the world. And they just gave me all their feedback and I just took all the information, all their struggles and challenges and all the things that they were experiencing. A lot of them were just starting in freelancing. Some were, you know, had been in freelancing for a while, but not seeing any results. So I took that and I kind of percolated on it for a while. And then I relaunched it this year and it's completely reformulated and it's a full-blown community now. So it's been a A labor of love, let me tell you. (laughs) Do you do like one-on-one coaching and mentoring or is it more in a group setting or what does it consist of? Yeah. So the mentorship is a group mentorship and everyone joins as they come in. And so it's a combination of guided video lessons. So they they released on a monthly basis. So you do the work in there with worksheets and all sorts of great stuff, templates, all my resources as a freelancer, all my tools that I've used, all my templates and profit and loss, everything that I could have ever pulled out of my mind from my 10 years of freelancing is now in there as resources. But the real value out of the mentorship, which I'm told is definitely like we do group coaching calls where we just sit and collaborate and come up with different ideas. We look at different examples of marketing and people's websites, how freelancers doing it and how we deal with clients, whatever it might be. But they're also broken into accountability groups. So they're forming these relationships with each other, which will then help them long-term to grow their network of freelancers and be able to lean on others when they need to because freelancing can be a very solitary experience. And I wanted to create this kind of sisterhood. And so they're having that 
in the community too. So it's like a full-fledged experience. I didn't want it to just be this a few video lessons. I wanted it to be a full-on experience for them to really, really grow with as we grow. What are some, I mean, there's probably like a million different freelancing things someone could do, but what are some of the, I guess, more common or popular or well-paying ones? Mm, that's a good question. I try to discourage the ladies from going into virtual assistants, speaking from experience, but I like to help them think about it in a different way. So we look at, okay, so if you're a virtual assistant, what are the things that you're actually doing? Well, you're in charge of business operations, most likely. So we look at business operations or business strategist, things that are kind of encompassing what the virtual assistant would do, but reframing it in a, a higher value format. So a lot of people are business strategists or business managers, business architects. We have graphic designers. We have illustrators, copywriters, web developers, social media strategists, anything basically you can operate online that would be considered yeah, a digital freelancer. So as long as you're doing it online, you're making money online, we have you in the, the mentorship. Well, I think even before COVID, but especially with COVID and companies kind of trying to switch to online and remote and stuff, that the future of freelancing and remote work in general will really kind of take over pretty soon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because before COVID, I had some stats up on the Freebirds website that said by 2027, 75% of the US workforce will be remote and, and freelance. This is before COVID. Oh, wow. (laughs) So imagine what it's going to be like. And so the freelancers who are telling me that they can't find work, I'm like, how? (laughs) There are so much work to be had. You just don't probably aren't positioning yourself right. I had a lady message me on Instagram today, actually. And she said, Afton, I can't find any clients to work for. And I said, my dear, I know you're just getting started, but you don't work for clients. You work with clients. There's a mindset shift. And when you can do that, it really opens up your mind because when we work for someone, what you think that we're working for one person, we're working with people, we can work with multitudes of people. And there are so many opportunities, not only to work for clients one-on-one, but also to build your team behind you because I have a team and I make money off my team as well. And so it doesn't, when you think freelancing, it doesn't have to be a singular form. I have advertisers and social media strategists and web developers and all, you know, all sorts of things. And you just continue to grow. So this is a huge opportunity right now, huge to get online because the world is getting online. And I'm like so excited about that. It's kind of like, ah, Sarah, like finally, finally people are getting it. It's been years. It's been a decade for me, you know? I'm ready for that as well. Mm-hmm. What are the three steps to go from full-time to freelance? I know that's one of the things that you talk about on your website. Yes. In the very basic form, you need to understand what it is that you have to offer. And so really start with outlining what it is that your hard skills are and your soft skills are, right? And what I say is, and there's a great download on the Freebirds website. I think you grabbed it, Sarah, the 50 awesome freelance businesses that you can start today. And I give you a list of a multitude of freelance businesses. But what I encourage you to do is definitely take a look at your skills and look at what's happening in the marketplace. So go to websites like Glassdoor and LinkedIn and look at what people are looking for online. And you can search a lot of these different websites for remote freelance work as well. So it doesn't have to be jobs. You can look at freelance and see how much people are paying and what they're looking for specifically. And then start building your skills off of that. Don't just willy-nilly start like throwing things out. But also look at it in terms of value-based. 
I'm very against working per hour. And I think that shocks a lot of freelancers, but you're constantly playing catch up. You're constantly trying to make more money. And when you're going from nine to five to free, you need to really increase your pay because then you have other things that you have to take care of, right? So I want you to think in terms of value and instead of like that hourly, you got to, what they say is like break the time barrier. The next thing would be to then definitely have those conversations with people. Again, with the intention of just learning more about them and what they need and having conversations with those freelancers to see who they're working with and who's paying and who's a great client. And then it just kind of takes off from there. And a lot of people ask me, well, do I need a website? Do I need social media? No, you don't need these things. You just need the ability to have conversations. What I have in the mentorship is a service guide. So just a, a basic outline of what you have to offer in terms of your value. No prices or anything like that in it. It's just something that you give to people. It's kind of like a, a longer form business card. And then that's all you really need to start. But you got to just start. Procrastination is huge in the freelance world. And the women are getting started. They're so afraid to get started because imposter syndrome sets in, right? And you stop before you even get started. And you need to throw that away and just be open and be honest with people and say, I don't know how to do that, but I'm willing to try, or I don't know how to do that, but I'm willing to find somebody who can and have open and honest conversations with clients. And if I look back at my work that I did at the beginning, I would cringe so much. Just my advice is don't look back. <laughs> Just keep, <laughs> keep going. Have conversations. I know that's scary for a lot of people, but we have this, what I actually recommend in the, in the mentorship is talk to three friends, talk to three businesses you love and talk to three colleagues or somebody in an association that you're a part of, or, you know, a, a group that you're a part of just those few conversations in these different groups you'll be amazed at how far you can go and how quickly you can start with that. Yeah, I actually yeah. am in the middle of planning a podcast editing and production freelance mm -hmm. type business myself. How do you determine your pricing? Your, at least your starting pricing. I mean, I guess it depends, of course, on what it is, but what recommendations, mm -hmm. I guess, do you have for people? So I want to say that podcast production is a huge business. It's a really great business because it's on retainer right? It's recurring. Mm -hmm. And I try to discourage the freelancers to get into what I call the dev loop. It's when you develop something and then you let the client go and you need to prospect and you get it. Like, for example, web developers are a great example. They develop a website and they let it go. And then they develop another site. Podcast editing is great. It's a constant there. It's as long as they're podcasting to determine your prices. Well, for podcast editing, you really have to look at what other people are charging for sure, because there is a lot of competition in terms of production. But again, it's based on value. So how big is this podcast? How much is their revenue in terms of advertising? how many podcasts are included, what kind of production value is it, right? It's really not like a set rate because every podcast, like if you're doing the Joe Rogan show, it's obviously different than Joe Schmo down the street <laughs> who just got started, right? So, you know, Joe Schmo down the street needs to also understand that he needs to be paying for a quality service. So it really depends. I discourage against packages, per se. It's more about the quality. This is the value that you're getting if you do this. And I don't like to offer multiple options. I ask them their goals and I give them the one option based on their goals. I'm not like a car dealership where I'm like, okay, you can get this and then you get that upgrade. It's like, no, this is your goal. And this is kind of what you should be looking at. When you do like a sand firm, 
do not flinch. <laughs> do not say anything. You state the money and you that's all you do and you wait. But a lot of it comes down to positioning yourself as like an expert and a leader in your arena. The more experience that you get and the more portfolio items that you get in testimonials, the more you can charge. So it kind of just has this upwards tick. So like anticipate the upwards tick as well. Don't be afraid to increase your prices. But and the very like that was a very long-winded <laughs> way of saying I don't know how much you should be charging, but it should be based on value. <laughs> Well, and it sounds like you're also saying maybe to do where someone asks for a quote versus having a specific package or pricing on the website, finding out exactly what they need and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Because what they're going to do is if they have your price on the website, they're going to take that price and they're going to shop around, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to start quantifying it. And I never want a client to quantify my work Mm -hmm. because then they're going to be nitpicking all along the way and saying, well, if you did it for that price, you could do this or this. And and it's like, then it becomes a big old mess. So it's just like, we have a conversation. And when you have a conversation, you've now hooked them in. You've now, you have them there. And that opens up the opportunity for you to deeply listen to them and deeply sell them too. I put out a really an Instagram video today actually about intent and the difference between people's intent when they come and just look at a price versus somebody who books a call or somebody who downloads a freebie on your website versus somebody who books a call. Somebody who books a call has very deep intent to go ahead and move forward with you. Whereas somebody who is passively looking at prices or downloading freebies, not so much. So you want to push them to that point of intent as much as possible and then we could hook them in. So maybe schedule a call over get a quote or either or. I usually like to say, let's just gonna jump on a call and okay. wanna hear all about you. And that gives me the opportunity to hear what their deepest challenges are and use those to my advantage. And uh, if you're in the mentorship, I teach all about sales calls and yeah, how to use that and how to hook them even deeper so that they can't say no. They won't, they don't wanna say no. I might need to join that actually. It sounds like (laughs) you have a lot of good, valuable stuff in there. Because I've noticed on some people's websites that do podcast production, they do have schedule a call. And I definitely think I I agree with you that someone's not going to click that if they're not. Like I know for me, if I'm looking for something and it says schedule a call, I would have to be really serious about it before I would do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that helps weed out, I suppose. And then plus... If you schedule a call or even get a quote, you're at least capturing their email address, if nothing else, so you can continue to communicate with them. Whereas if your pricing is on the website, I guess they come and go. Yeah. They're gone, right? Yeah. But the reason that they're going to book a call is because they deeply resonate with you, right? And that is what I work with a lot of women on, both on the freelance side, but also on the client-facing side, is we need to position you in the best possible way. And it's not about what you do. It's what you're known for. So you are producing a very specific type of podcast a very specific type of person, right? And you have a very specific style and you have a very specific strategy. You use very specific language and you have a very specific way of dealing with your clients. And that's why people are going to come to you and stick with you, but also refer you. And so that's what I work with a lot of people is because there's a lot of digital jobs that are very disposable, virtual assistants, social media management, even podcast editing could be essentially because everyone, anyone can basically do it, but they probably can't do it like you. And we need to extract that to show on your website to entice them enough to book a call with you and have that deep intent. It's really important. And then at a certain point, If you get too much business to where you as one person can't handle it, then do you hire people on or do you outsource people or what do you recommend for 
That's a really good question. If you're just getting started, definitely contract. And it's basically either per hour or by project based on however you're working in terms of revenue. And yeah, so don't hire somebody full time because a client might drop you and then you're paying somebody full time for nothing like really. And there's tons of freelancers out there who will do it by project or by hour or by retainer. So yeah, just work your way up gradually, gradually, gradually. And then you can add the next person, the next person. So you can start with like another editor, or you can add a graphic designer or a copywriter. You know, you can keep adding to the services. You can then do their email marketing, you know, associated to that and their blog posts and, you know, just add it little by little and the value goes up and up and up. Right. But you have to make money on those contractors. You're not exchanging dollar for dollar. You know, I usually recommend uh, marking up 100% so that you're making a good amount of money on that. Marking up your price 100% so that they're getting what you used to charge and then you're getting the difference. Yeah. So if like the podcast editor, for example, is charging you $20 an hour, you could assume that whatever your retainer is, is based on $40 an hour for that person. But don't charge $20 an hour for that person just because they're charging you. Like really mark it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the name of the game. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. And on your website, you also talk about freelancers going back to their nine to five. In what cases would someone do that? It's fear. It's, there's a lot, a lot of fear around it. And they are not thinking in terms of growth. They're thinking in terms of maintenance and task ticking and things. And then when they don't grow they don't make the money. And when they don't make the money, then they want more security. And there's a stigma around freelancing in terms of security. They People think, well, I, I won't get paid as much or I don't get benefits or, you know, all these things. And it's like, well, you're just not planning for it. And, you know, the saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you don't plan out what those expenditures will be and how much you need to make and how you're going to continuously grow, then yeah, you're probably going to fail at it just like anything. And it's not just freelancing. That could happen with any business. And I find it really interesting right now, actually, with everything that's happening with COVID, that a lot of businesses are being wiped out. And a lot of businesses were being wiped out pretty much in the first month. And the freelancers I was working with came to me and said, my clients have gone under. And I'm like, those probably aren't the clients you want anyway. So don't worry about it. Because if they can't manage their money past a month, those aren't clients that we want. So the ones that are going to last through COVID, oh my gosh, yeah, for sure. Those are the clients that I want. And that's, so we have to take that into consideration for ourselves too. So if we, if something with our business happened and we couldn't work for three months, do we have a cushion? We have to plan for those things. And it's uncomfortable and horrible. And, you know, I don't like looking at numbers too, but that's the reality of running a business, right? Freelance or not. Do you recommend trying to find work on websites like Fiverr and Freelancer and People Per Hour and Upwork and all those others? Yeah, I actually got my start on Upwork, which was Odesk at the time. And I found my best clients. I will tell you, you just totally unexpected, but best clients on Upwork. I got to travel the world with some of my clients. They flew me different places from Upwork. Unbelievable. And so in the mentorship, we actually do what I call our Upwork deep dives. So we'll go through, we'll look at everybody's profiles and then we'll go through and we actually, we have a Slack channel in the mentorship and it pulls in Upwork gigs directly into the Slack channel based on certain criteria. So the top gigs, like based on expertise levels, so they're the higher paying ones, and we'll throw them back and forth and talk about them and look. sometimes highlight like red flags. Do not do this. Don't go for these ones, but this is a really great one. Maybe you should apply for that. So it's it really a lot of, there's a lot of 
negative feelings around these freelance websites, but it's just a matter of knowing what to look for. And over the years, I've become a master <laughs> in that. And it's great. I'm not so big on the Fiverr parts. I did have a freelancer who did a lot of Fiverr. She told me that she had to kiss a lot of frogs. Some of them turned into great clients, but most of them did not. So it really depends on the website. But Upwork is definitely, I think, the number one freelance website. I think they're, they said there's like 16 million freelancers on mm. Upwork. So oh, it's wow. a huge, huge network. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, if you're going to try any, try Upwork. So with that many freelancers on there, how do you stand out from the mm, pack? That's a good question. There's very specific strategies, again, that I go through in our Upwork deep dives. But one of them is to read between the lines of what they're not saying. And you'll often find a lot of clients on there who are not as experienced. They really don't know what they don't know. And so I'll often say, I'll send them a either a message on Upwork, I'll reply, or I'll go through their website and I'll say, hey, I saw you on Upwork and I checked out your website and I'll say, it sounds like you wanted this, but I just want food for thought. It might be that you need this based on my experience. So that helps you to stand out a little bit. And, and they see that you are taking the initiative to help them even further than what they needed. Now, sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. But you need to find strategies that will set you apart. There's also certain words that I don't like to use, like I would love to help. And it's like, no, I can do this for you. Because there's a lot of people who are like very wishy-washy because they're freelancers like, oh, maybe they'll pick me up. But I'm, I want to go in there looking like a complete professional and I know what I'm doing and I, I am not even going to question it. And when you do that in the, you know, the very first line, you do stand out. So there's different ways that we go through how to actually snag it pretty fast. And then you had also yeah. mentioned that you teach that there are things to look for or look out for, I guess, uh, red flags. What would mm -hmm. some of those be? Like when you're a freelancer looking for work on there, because I assume mm -hmm. that it, it works both ways, right? People looking for freelancers can reach out, like search profiles and reach out and then vice versa, I assume. Yeah. So one of my red flags that I actually posted the other day in the mentorship is when somebody will say, I want you to set it up for me so that I could then take it over myself. And that's a big no for me. You're not serious about it. You're not continuously investing in your business and you're not going to take me seriously as a professional. Those are people that I definitely don't want. People who will look for, they'll say, I need the best of the best. But then they'll be like $3 an hour. You know, that's <laughs> obviously a red flag. Now, but I will say this. Sometimes it's just, again, they don't know what they don't know. So the fact that they, you know, I've had people who've reached out to me saying that they have a $10 an hour project and it's turned into multiple thousand dollar project for me because they just didn't know how to put the bid out there. They didn't know how much it was worth. So sometimes it, it is a matter of educating them, but sometimes it's just that they're cheap. Those are the businesses, like I said, with COVID that are probably going to fail, unfortunately, at the very beginning because they just don't know how to invest properly in their business. So if there's someone looking for a freelancer and their rate is really low like that, do you just kind of blow that one off and move on? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those you can't win against the low paid freelancers. They're looking for them specifically, but the amount of clients that I have pulled out of holes because of those low paid freelancers, you know, God bless them. You know, I don't want to like, you know, there's obviously they're trying or, you know, but you essentially pay what you get what you pay for. So if you're a business owner listening right now, really think about investing properly with a professional, with a portfolio, especially so that you're not sometimes it could cost you more money than that $3 an hour. What is yeah. the lowest that people should be paying or charging? Like probably what, $20 an hour? 
I don't base any of my work on hourly rate. Mm. All of my work is based on retainer, right? So this is a really important thing is that clients pay me before I even start work. And that's how I know that they are legit. Mm -hmm. And so my retainer is loosely based on my hourly rate, but it's really based on the value to them. So every project is different. And that's why what I'll usually do is get on a call with them and understand, okay, what's the scope of work that they're looking for? What are their goals? And then I can assess how much it's going to be. Because for me to just be like, oh yeah, I think it's going to be like, you know, a couple thousand. And then I didn't pull up the floorboards and see that the plumbing needs to be redone. And there's like, you know, cockroaches or whatever, (laughs) like there's all sorts of stuff that can happen. Right. So a very, first thing that I do in my business as a strategist is actually I have a retainer for consultations to rip up the floorboards and understand Mm -hmm. their business to then properly assess. And again, if you're, if you're a business owner listening, if somebody's just throwing out numbers, you got to question it. You know, you got to be like, they don't even know anything about my business. How are they able to determine that? What am I getting for that price? It's like you bought a car and you didn't take it out for a test drive. You just have no idea how it's going to perform. Right. Mm -hmm. So be really, really careful of that on both sides. When you mentioned pulling up the floorboards and roaches and all that, it reminds me of all those shows on HGTV. Yes. Like Fixer Upper. And it's like they they buy it. And then like that one couple that buys like, yeah, Fixer Upper, I think. Flipper Flop, maybe that's what it is. Or they buy, you know, sometimes sight unseen, but a lot of times they see it. But until they start actually like taking away the sheetrock or the this, that or the other for their remodeling. And then they have like mold issues and asbestos. I I saw one the other day with termites. This is essentially what can happen in your business. You just Mm got to rip it all up, right? Mm -hmm. And on your website, you also mentioned something about a blue Ikea bag concept. What is that? Everyone knows that blue Ikea shopping bag, right? You get to the checkout. They usually have one or two different sizes, depending where you are in the world. And you go up there thinking, okay, well, can I like fumble my way home with no bag? Or do I pay the buck or two to get the bag? And then we usually essentially get the bag and we think, okay, we'll throw it out or whatever. You know, get rid of it. It doesn't matter. It's just a dollar. And then somehow that bag ends up everywhere we go. (laughs) Like when we're moving somebody, when we're doing a picnic, when we're like bringing groceries, suddenly that bag is everywhere. And I bet if you open up your trunk, your storage closet, your laundry room, that blue bag is going to be somewhere. Ikea has had this way of being completely embedded in our life. It's a really great lesson for freelancers. And what I tell the freelancers to do is be completely embedded in a client's business so that they can never extract you. That's your security blanket. That's that's how you're going to stick around for good. You have to find your embeddable. And that's what IKEA essentially has done. They've become embedded in our, in our lives. And we want to do it in a way where a client doesn't even realize that we're getting so far embedded in their business that they, it's so hard for them to extract us. So we always have to be thinking embeddable. We always have to be thinking IKEA blue bag. And then that that's where the real value comes in. And then the, also the beautiful thing is you get to dictate when you stay or when you leave. And that is a great amount of power as a freelancer as well. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> now I'll never look at an Ikea bag the same way. Or yeah, I bet you. Do you have one in your trunk? <laughs> I, I probably do. Or I might have Aldi bags or Target. But of course, those are like plastic bags that you're talking about, the ones that are more like vinyl. Hefty yeah. Yeah. The vinyl one. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is that when I talked to the mentees about it, we all started taking pictures of our blue Ikea <laughs> bags. Everyone had them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it happens. And that's what we want as freelancer. That's mm-hmm. what we want to be. Just like that. Yeah. Popping out of their like... <laughs> 
storage closet in the dark. <laughs> I'm still here. I feel like I need to search my house now to, to find a blue bag and then yeah. take a picture of it and send it to you or something. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Tag me. <laughs> I haven't been to Ikea in forever, though, so I don't know if I have one of the. But I know I have bags of other stores. So, But what? you know what the thing is? If you don't have a blue Ikea bag right now, you will come upon it at some point <laughs> because somebody's moving. They're giving you some tchotchkes or you're, you know, you're going you, somehow, somehow you always end up with somebody will give it to you. So even if you don't buy it, it will show up. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I really appreciate your time today. I think you've answered a lot of questions I had. And I think the listeners that it'll be helpful for them as well. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we hadn't gone over yet? No, you pretty much learned everything in the mentorship. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. But no, if you're thinking about freelancing, yeah, definitely go over to the freebirds.co and download that 50 business ideas. Uh, it's a really big help. And definitely connect with me on Instagram, the Freebirds Co. And just send me a message and just say, hey, after I'm thinking about going into freelancing and I'll reply with a really creepy uh, voice message and we'll have a little chitty chatty. <laughs> chitty chat, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of people will maybe start sending you pictures of blue ikea bags yes i'd love it please tag me in your stories and yeah email them to me often at the freebirds.co <laughs> yeah i love it and then i'll also have show notes at the sarahstjohn.com forward slash afton that's a-f-t-o-n well thank you so much for your time today thank you for your time and your energy too sarah if you enjoyed and found value from this episode I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.